In the latest edition of National Geographic, Anne Lamont describes beautifully our situation on this final Sunday of Advent 2020. Everything, our whole system of life, family, travel, has ground to a halt. So if broken is what we've got, where do we begin the repairs? One possible solution is how the ancient Japanese repaired broken pottery with gold along the mended spots. You dishonor things if you don't admit that they are broken. You value them by repairing them. The gold edging adds to the broken thing's beauty. You adorn the cracks so now they really show. First, to describe the brokenness, then to find possible gold for mending. This morning, that involves unintended consequences, which loom large in today's story, modern ramifications from the second book of Samuel. Now to make sense of the lesson, Wandering in the Sinai wilderness after their escape from Egypt, the Hebrew people had always tented with God, a tent sheltering the Ark of the Covenant holding the Ten Commandments, no building large enough to contain or represent the divine spirit experienced through Moses. Around 250 years later, Nathan said to King David, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Then continued, I will provide a place for my people Israel. I will plant them there and they shall dwell in that place and never be disturbed again. That sounds comforting, but read out of context, it has brought tragic results in our time. Similar verses from the Bible have been used to confiscate land where Palestinians have lived from pre-biblical times to this day. In Arabic, the word for Palestinian is Philistini. They've been there a long time. Problem is, too many people, Christians included, confuse ancient Israel read about in the Old Testament with the modern state of Israel founded in 1948. Hebrew scriptures proclaim a God of Hesed, loving kindness and Sadak, justice, the root of righteousness, doing what is right. A concept we share with our Jewish brothers and sisters. I must tell you, I've wrestled so hard over the sermon for this Sunday, trying to reconcile my images of God with what is happening in present day Israel. Can't get out of my mind what I've seen with my eyes. To share just four examples. The Hesha refugee camp in Bethlehem. Inside their community center, a wall of large iron keys from homes confiscated since 1948. Destruction of fields and orchards of olives almonds, oranges, and lemons. Concrete walls, 30 feet high, eight feet thick, 30 feet deep, built on Palestinian land, separating their villages from each other as well as Israel. 
one artistic graffiti on the Palestinian side reading, your US tax dollars at work. Against UN resolutions and international law, Palestinian land and the occupied West Bank has been taken to build huge settlements. According to the Israeli peace group B'Tselem, over 200 modern cities are occupied by more than 600,000 Israelis, connected by highways for their use only. Now, a number of Jewish people in Israel and America protest those actions as they witness beautiful pottery broken when ancient scripture is misused, abused, to uproot their Palestinian cousins. Israeli rabbis I've met voice concerns that the occupation is undermining the Jewish faith. It's crucial for us not to just decry the brokenness, but to use the gold of justice and loving kindness to repair it. Now, you may question whether all this information is proper for a sermon. But if justice and loving kindness are not important in church in real life, we have nothing to say ethically about anything, no moral ground on which to stand. Unintended consequences can also bring good things. This is where I found gold in our own tradition, mined from ancient Hebrew sites. In Nazareth, the Annunciation to Mary is remembered at an ancient well in an Orthodox church named for Gabriel. It's water safe, cool, and refreshing. As we prepare to celebrate Jesus' birth this weekend, dig with me in this rich gold mine we inherited and hear an ancient perspective which led to an uplifting experience in Bethlehem. As you know, the primary story enacted by children's pageants around the world centers on Luke's birth narrative, but the no room in the inn is read differently by Palestinian Christians. Rather than a story of rejection, which I'd always assumed, Palestinians call this the story of the hospitable innkeeper, hospitality being a major hallmark of Middle Eastern people. Their ancient inns didn't have no vacancy signs. As people gathered for safety at night, everybody just scrounged in together. The innkeeper and his family usually living in a cave at the back of the inn, like later merchants who lived above the store. Palestinian Christians read this story as the innkeeper inviting Mary and Joseph into their own private quarters, their home. You see, caves have an amazing quality. A constant temperature, they are relatively cool in summer, warm in winter, plus heat from the animals brought in from the cold and for safety from predators, animal and human. In that context, surrounded by warmth and love, the earliest icons picture Jesus born in a cave, not a barn. An olive wood crash from Bethlehem looks more like this. The barn scenario was depicted by St. Francis of Assisi for city folks in 13th century Italy. 
Also, a manger in the Middle East is not a V-shaped wooden crèche seen in pageants, but really a hollowed out rock in which animals feed and drink. And one of those mangers was found in the caves at Bethlehem. It's why in the fourth century, Queen Helena, connecting Luke's story of Jesus' birth with local memory and their cave tradition, determined that the caves in Bethlehem must have been Jesus' birthplace. The Church of the Nativity, Orthodox and Roman, was built on top of those caves, the oldest church in continuous use in the world, Constantine's original mosaic floor still visible. There, an event happened I'll never forget. Downstairs in the cave in the Greek section, always crowded, we would kneel at the spot which remembers Jesus' birth. It's marked on the floor by a large 14-point bronze star, always surrounded by burning candles. The stone manger about 10 feet behind us. On that particular pilgrimage, we knelt at the spot for our moment and then went upstairs to the Roman church to descend into their caves where St. Jerome had translated the Bible into Italian, the Vulgate. We'd always find an empty room in the caves to read Luke's story, sing a carol or two, and share consecrated bread. To my shock, the entrance to the stairway down to the caves that time was locked. Never happened before and very irritating. Trying to make the best of the situation, I said, let's go out to the courtyard and read the story there. I found an arched passageway to the left and asked one of our priests to read Luke's narrative. But just as she started to read, a sound came from across the courtyard. An Austrian choir, at least 30 or more choristers, began singing Silent Night. Wait, I said. We stood in silence as the song enveloped us. As the choir began to sing the second verse, she began to read. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in his swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Completing the story just as the choir finished. Suddenly our guide appeared and whispered, it's open now. What an incredible experience we would have missed if we'd gone downstairs as planned. Pure gold, as an unintended consequence, mended the moment which had been broken by our disappointment, bringing new, unexpected grace to our experience. 123 years 
before my first arrival in Bethlehem, the Reverend Phillips Brooks of Trinity Church, Boston, sat on a nearby hillside one night overlooking the church and its village. And for the Sunday school, wrote a poem about his experience. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Unintended Consequences from Caesar Augustus, Roman Occupation of Ancient Israel, and Their Killing of Jesus. Who would have ever imagined that his birth and death, life and resurrection, would take us and the world back to Bethlehem again and again? would connect us with St. Luke's Los Gatos and St. Mark's Santa Clara, joining us in the spirit of Jesus to churches, synagogues, and mosques around the world, all of us, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, as best we can, still working in spite of everything to bring justice and loving kindness, that gold to repair what is broken. 2020 hindsight may be the best the year 2020 can give. In the words of Angelus Cilicius, if in your heart you make a manger for his birth, then God will once again become a child on earth. From this final Sunday of Advent 2020, I wish you, for all your family, for the whole world in this strange time, a blessed, blessed Christmas.